Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrar? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Fuelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary In Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Well, now that you're here, we can have a show. And what a show we have for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview, you know him from the legendary Kids in the Hall and the new Kids in the Hall reboot on Amazon, and his name is Scott Thompson. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk to Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week. 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join our conversation. And our superfan shout-out is for Dave. Say hi to Dave, everybody. Hey, Dave. Dave, how you doing, man? Dave, Phil would say hello, he's here, but he's not here because he is still adrift, uh, and uh, he's going through some stuff. No energy. You, you just, you drain me of any energy at all. Okay. <laughs> it's hey, like, Phil. Yeah. It sounds like he's going through stuff with you. Yeah, he is. <laughs> it's, sounds accurate. Yeah. yeah. Well, but uh, hopefully he will be back uh, soon. And uh, Dave, I did get your email. Thank you so much. It's a friend of ours. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Dave likes my anxiety therapy bit. Uh, he watched the special on YouTube, which mm -hmm. you can too, because there's a link right here in the show notes. So it's nice to know that, uh, that Dave was laughing. And Stern, I'm sure if Dave knew, he would wish you a happy birthday as well. Happy birthday, my friend. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, and you guys really are the best. Uh, you're great <laughs> friends, and you sent me some very cool gifts. Clearly, you guys know me very well. Well, we love you, Mark, and I wanted to, we wanted to get you something that makes you happy. Why, I don't know. And, <laughs> but it make, Mark's into ancient Rome, as everybody knows, because, you know, what brings Mark comfort is grown men in toga without underwear in a communal <laughs> bath. I don't know why. <laughs> yes, I do like that, oddly enough. Yes, it brings me great, great, great peace and joy. I, you know, for, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. I do love it. And um, this is one of the coolest things I could ever hope to get. You guys sent me this book on Pompeii. Ancient mm -hmm. Pompeii. Don't tell um, me how it ends. 
<laughs> Spoiler alert, not well for everybody lived there. Mm -hmm. um, did you know, I don't know, did you send me this book from the Lincoln Township Public Library? <laughs> did you know that? <laughs> uh, I did look for a good sale. <laughs> Where did you get it? I always look for sales. You know, you know, there's a little shopping uh, button that you push and then you can see what pricing and then what cool books. And uh -huh. so I kind of like align them all up. Why? What's going on with that? It says on the inside cover, property of the Lincoln Township Oops. Library in Stevensville, <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> it's a freaking library book. <laughs> it has character. <laughs> you sent him a library book? I sent him a well, <laughs> a well-priced book. I, I made everybody happy. I made you happy and I made him happy. Oh, that is beautiful. I, I how much help? You know, you know what? It, that could only be better if there was ash in it. If you opened it up and it came from a Pompeii <laughs> library. <laughs> I'm just waiting for somebody from Stevensville to knock on my door. You know, one of the feds from Stevensville. Hey, we understand you have a book. We'd like to see that book, Mr. That's Star. hilarious. That is the funniest thing. We sent them a library. But I just found a book on Pompeii. I did a couple of reviews. They said, this is like the the the, the book on Pompeii. I said, all right, honey, send this book to Mark. And she, and I hit the button. she went to a garage sale. No, I hit the button, <clears throat> view options, view buying options. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just said, oh, well, it's the same book. And, this, and you look at the quality and... Mm -hmm. So I just went from there. That's great. <laughs> That's how I do everything. <laughs> That's great. Did you get it on Amazon? No, we got it from a fence. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. Don't tell no one you got this yet, all right? You're yeah. a good kid. All right, I'm out. saying that's for you. We love you. Nothing's too good for you. Don't read it in public. Just don't read it. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that, isn't that how everybody shops? What, low to high? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's smart. It's a, Listen, the book Bloody is in Mark. great condition. <laughs> they took great care of it in Stevensville, mm -hmm. and and it's it's perfect. You got a good deal on it, you know. Yeah. I, listen, yeah. I I always love it when somebody handles a great deal. So you did that. That's I, great. I, Who was the last one to check it out? <laughs> Cassius. Who's that? <laughs> yeah, it was in seventy eight A.D. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So no, I I've actually skimmed through it. And I know this would put like 99% of the population on earth to sleep. And I was like, oh my God, look at that. And look at that. It's got like breakdowns of the city and all this kind of cool stuff. It's, it's very, very cool. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys. You guys clearly know me very well. This is an awesome gift. Yeah. Mark likes to, to, to lose, lose himself in the lives of dead people. <laughs> That's all right. Well, one of the reasons why I love all this stuff is because it, it humanizes the people from back then. They're mm. not just a like a line on a page. You know, it, it, it to me, it brings them to life. They're like actual living, breathing human beings who experience the same kind of emotions, you know, fear, anger, love, all that stuff that we did 2000 years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I like to, to humanize people like that, too. But when I look back in the past, I don't see Caesar saying, E2 Brute, then fall Caesar. I hear him saying, I knew it, you son of a bitch. You stabbed me in the back. My wife told me I couldn't trust you, you bastard. Listen to your wife, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, a tide in the affairs of men, which when taken at the crest, ah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's no i i i love that and it really uh it really hit home for me so uh it meant an awful lot to me i appreciated it guys good well we love you my friend mm -hmm. and uh and i know how much you love ancient rome uh tell my wife what else you bought 
You didn't tell her what I got? I left that for you, my friend, because he was telling me on the phone. I go, no, no, no. Hold that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Now I want to know. Um, so I went online. I have been fascinated with Pompeii of late. It's just been a real focus of mine. Mm -hmm. And I went online and I, I Googled Pompeian artifacts. And it's not as easy to find as you might think, but I did find somebody that had actual artifacts from Pompeii, very reasonably priced, I might add. And before you get there, Adam, I know where you're, I know where your head's going. He was as legitimate as I could determine to be. Very much he had great credibility. So I'm thinking this is on the level. Wait, wait and a minute. Bought... You met someone online that has great credibility. Oh, you're the one. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, when he's not dealing in Pompeian artifacts, he's a Nigerian prince. So I mm -hmm. feel this is totally on the level. But I got these, and I'm going to show them. I'm going to hold them up for you, Alex um, and Adam, so you can both see them. These are mosaic tiles from either a floor or from a wall from a house that was destroyed in Pompeii in 79 AD. And there's a piece of pottery shard attached to the back of it that they think also came from Pompeii. Can you see oh, those? Oh, it's like a grab bag of Pompeii? Yeah. That, oh. Yeah, yeah. They think it could come, honey, it could come from Pompeii or a Home Depot in Passaic, New Jersey. We're not really <laughs> sure. He's got a shard of a pot. There's some guy in the backyard breaking a flower pot. <laughs> His wife is screaming at her, going, honey, what are you doing? We got one. He's in D.C. It's his birthday. <laughs> we got one. Um, this is what they say on the certificate of authenticity. Can you see that? Authentic. Yeah, you're right, because crooks can't type. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> There's a seal on it and everything. Uh, a wonderful array of mosaic tessera fragments from Pompeii mounted on a mirrored backing and attached to a large pottery shard presumably from Pompeii as well. They even put Is presumably it? in there. Well, Pres that's for the, could that's be. for the pottery shard. But I, that to me makes it more legit because they could just say, yeah, it's from Pompeii too. You say, we think it's from there, but you, you, you judge for yourself. Mm -hmm. This is the truth. I choose to believe that these are authentic. Love is Again, blind. I, <laughs> love is blind. Love yes. is blind. And, and the fact that I am holding this in my little tiny hand right now. a putz. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the word I was going to use, but I see what you're saying. Hold, hold on. My wife. It's the tiny hands that got me. The tiny hands that got Don't do that when I'm drinking water. Drinking water. Those tiny hands. Uh, my little tiny. All right, Stern, let me ask you something. You got these tiles different. Was there lava on them? How do you know? <laughs> no, there's no lava on them. There wasn't. There was The whole town was basically covered. It wasn't lava. It was pumice and ash flying out of the volcano. It was like like 20 feet of this stuff, like buried the town completely. Honey, I don't know if you noticed, pumice and ash was a 70s cop show. <laughs> I'm pumice. I'm ash. You're busted. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> you guys got to get out more. Yeah. They drove a 73 Duster. That, that was their car. <laughs> My aunt had one of those. <laughs> Too funny. I Listen, I... I I have no way of knowing, I, but I believe they are. The guy seems legit, um, so I, I am very – and he's got artifacts from all all over the place. Yeah, he's got all kinds of artifacts. You know the Venus de Milo? I got the arms. They're in the car. <laughs> you want the arms? They're in the car. Yeah. <laughs> I can't break up a set. You got to buy the right one and the left one. I'm not breaking up a beautiful set like this. <laughs> I can't break up the set. <laughs> Let me tell you. You say all you want. These came from a collection in England. 
So somebody- wait a minute, wait a minute, hold it, hold it, hold it. <laughs> that makes it better. <laughs> hold it. These are from England. What happened? Yeah, okay. It was in Pompeii, but the blast blew all this shit <laughs> over to England. <laughs> A lot of people don't know that Pompeii is actually south of London. So, yeah, these are authentic <laughs> tiles, mate. Just take them, all right? Don't tell anyone. Look, as long as it makes you happy. Okay, Mark, you know this, right? The key is display. Yes. How are you going to display them? He's going to grout them in his bathroom he and is invite not. people over. Okay. Real or not, you're not grounding them. Yes, he is. <laughs> you know, you're standing on Pompeii tiles, huh? <laughs> you feel the heat? There's no heat yeah. in this floor. That's from <laughs> the volcano. <laughs> These are authentic. I got them in England. <laughs> you know how rare it is to find these things? I, I had to buy it out of a trunk of a car. You can't get these in the store. Do not listen to Adam. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I haven't. Honestly, I haven't figured out what the display is. I'm just so happy to hold them. It makes me feel connected to Pliny the Elder, who died in this horrible tragedy. Of course. Of course. Pliny bought it. Pliny bought it. <laughs> he tried to throw himself on the volcano to save others. A hero, Pliny. <laughs> he was an elder. He was. He's like, I, I, don't, I ain't got much time left. Let me die in saving others. <laughs> and he jumped into the volcano to try and save others. And they realized, Pliny, you're not a virgin. Now you tell me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Stern's walking around his apartment Saturday nights. He's, he's in a towel holding up the tile, yelling at the cats. I am Pliny the Elder. <laughs> I wish it wasn't true, but sadly, that's probably what I'll be doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you, Mark, and we both want to wish you a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mark. Thank you, guys. You're the best. Yeah. Thank you. Happy birthday, Pliny. <laughs> And please support your local library. Apparently, there's been a lot of pilfering. <laughs> if yes. you see something, say something. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so Mark thinks he's Pliny the Elder. Actually, Scott Thompson, uh, when he was fighting cancer, made believe he was Queen Elizabeth and shamed his tumors into remission. Oh. Yeah. I'm not kidding. You guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. In 2018, archaeologists embarked on the first large-scale excavation in Pompeii in 70 years. Massimo Osana, the director general of the site, has supervised the excavation of over 8 meters, 24 feet of ash and pumice ejected from the Vesuvius eruption. Pumice and ash was a 70s cop show. <laughs> I promise. I'm Ash. You're busted. You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 minutes you will never get back. Okay, is Adam here? Tell her I'm not in. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well... Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. 
or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I'm on the road. Come see me, please. I'll make you laugh. April 22nd and 23rd, I will be at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. And April 29th and 30th, I will be at the Laugh It Up Comedy Club in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's a link to tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. Uh, We also have T-shirts. There's a link for the T-shirts in the show notes and a link to my YouTube special called It's Scary in Here. It's free, and I hope you watch it. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is a writer, actor, comedian you know from the legendary Kids in the Hall, the Larry Sanders Show, the series Hannibal on NBC, most recently the Kids in the Hall documentary at South by Southwest was a big hit and something he's very proud of. There are a few more projects coming in, and I'm not at liberty to say. <laughs> he's always made me laugh, and I admire his ability to use comedy to cope and hopefully heal from trauma, and in doing my research on him, there has been some. There has been, yeah. Yes. I'm very grateful he's made some time for us today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Scott Thompson. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. Very I'm doing, well. We, but look, before we turn the mics on, yeah. we do know each other, and I don't think either one of us can remember when and how we met. I can't remember, no. I can't remember. I know we had the same agent at some point. Um, the same agent now? No, no. Sorry. At some point, we had Greenstein, I think. Rick Greenstein. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. For the kids in the hall. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, you've been well, I hope. Very well, yes. Good. Yeah. Good. And I'm, you? I've been good. I've been good. I'm doing the best with what I got, you know. Yeah, I mean, mentally well, I don't think any of us are doing great. I will tell you, one of my favorite projects you did was Brain Candy. And the premise uh, of the movie, uh, that was the Kids in the Hall's first movie. And the premise of the movie was you get trapped in your, your most pleasant memory. Yes. And, and I thought that was brilliant. And the execution really made me laugh. Yeah, yeah, I'm very, I was very proud of that movie. Have you noticed that Don't Look Up is kind of a, a beat by beat re, uh, redo of Brain Candy, but with famous people? Yeah. <laughs> with serious parts in it? Yeah. And it's not as good. Yeah. It's good. No. But it really is very similar movie to Brain Candy. Yeah. Well, I did, I, I meant what I said. I, I, I admire your ability to cope and, and hopefully heal from the trauma, and, and there has been some. So. Yeah. The comedy you, you relied well, it on. It started about five minutes ago. <laughs> you bring it up like that, re-triggering me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to trigger you. But I, I wanted I wanted to just to establish uh, when you knew you were funny. I mean, you grew up with five brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, five boys. Yeah. Where, where do you fit in that? In that uh, I'm second oldest. Second oldest. Second oldest. 
Okay. And probably second funniest. And maybe not even – I'm definitely not first funniest. Really? No. I have, I have at least two brothers that might be funnier than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My brother Derek and my brother Rand are, are pretty much funnier than I am generally. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not as damaged. Okay. <laughs> you know? Actually, and I've got friends that are way funnier than me, but they don't have that – they're not broken. Right. So they don't have – you know what I'm talking They don't have that need to get the validation. Okay, yeah, that that's I wanted to ask you. It's it's the the yeah. need, the want. Did you know you were funny, or were you told you were funny? I definitely. People thought it was funny. Definitely, mm-hmm. um, I knew I was funny because I knew that I would have been got. I would have been beat up a lot more if I was not funny. Yeah. So I obviously must have a good sense of humor because I I, I developed a, a skill very early on in how to basically, you know deflate a bully yeah yeah my- and that's, that's definitely how to do it like in my family it was very i grew up in a pretty violent family all men mm-hmm. and uh the one thing that everyone agreed on was funny and every dinner table was who did you meet during that day mm-hmm. and how ridiculous were they and what was it about that person that we could all mock as a family <laughs> <It's> together ni- <laughs> yeah it's nice to have a common interest <laughs> Yeah, and so that was it. Like, and so when you can do that, like I, I have this theory about you know comedians and, and particularly the way men do it is that it's like comedy is violence for physical cowards. You know, it, it, you know, like there's two, there's so many ways to be a man. And right. For me, like as a child, especially as a gay child, growing up in the time that I did, I had enormous um, issues over my masculinity. But I, I did realize that there are different ways to be a man. You can do it by you know impregnating a woman. You, you're a warrior. Or you're the you're the funny one, and so I thought this is that's the only that's the third thing that I could do, mm-hmm. and um, so I'm gonna be the funny one. I'm gonna be the the warrior's best friend. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, it, it was definitely not only for me. It was a source of and the reason I asked you the question, Scott, was because I had the same thing. It was survival on the school bus. Absolutely. Yeah. And a way to contribute to. Um, the family, because I grew up in a very mechanical family. They built everything, and they. My father, my father was just very mechanically inclined. Me, my, my job was to hold the light. You know, mm-hmm. that was me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when 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 troubled times befall all of us, I do rely on my on on my humor because it's kind of part of my identity, and and it's a. I went through panic attacks once, and what really helped me was listening listening to my act. What I came to find out was it was a loss of identity. I didn't know who I was, and that's why I was panicking. So when I listened to my act, it made it it made me a character that I could. Oh yeah, that's me. That's me. So it oh, that's it, interesting. Yeah, it yeah. soothed me. So you, you you kind of like lost the picture of who you were, and that would kind of like bring it back to you know yeah. full focus. But that's it brought a it back. Coping. It brought it back as 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 a character. So I it was a distance. It was like you know when you play somebody else, mm-hmm. that character gives you permission to put your bullshit aside mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and be yeah, in that. That's, that's, well, but we're all playing characters, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's good to be reminded of what your part is. Yeah. And that's how I see life too. Is that it is a play, mm-hmm. and you're given a part, and your job is to act the shit out of it. Yeah, and that's all you you just have to accept what it is that you the part is. What is your part? Mm-hmm. How do I give this play that I'm in the greatest you know send off? How do I serve this story? Yeah, the best. And one of the one of the things in talking to 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 uh, people on this show, uh, I had Jimmy Dore on a show. It was another comic, mm-hmm. um, and 
He said uh, what helped him was um, uh, he was reading Eckhart Tolle, which I read a lot, and he said uh-huh. that every situation, look at it as if you have chosen it, and that will help you, you know, with acceptance and, and acting it out. And the stuff you've been through in your life, I don't think you've chose. No, but it's funny you bring up Eckhart Tolle because I tried that about twenty years ago, thinking that would work for me. Uh-huh. It didn't. It worked for a little bit, and right. then I kind of like everything else I've kind of picked up in my life. I kind of dropped it again. Uh-huh. And but I found stoicism a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, and that's very basically what stoicism is: is the what all the self help stuff today. A lot of it is based on, but mm-hmm. it just comes from two thousand years ago from Romans and, and Greeks, and that's helped tremendously. Just realizing I have a part to play. I have no choice in what happens to me. I mm-hmm. can't control anything that happens to me. I can only control how I react to the circumstances. And that's been very helpful for me, especially the last few years during the pandemic, as the world's kind of careened off the edge. Mm-hmm. And I, I found myself at times like going, I can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I don't know who I am anymore. And this would always help me bring me back like, okay, what's going on? What 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 part of the play are we in? Yeah. Um, just keep playing that part. You're still that part. Um, you haven't, they haven't recast you. And this is just the part of the play, which is we're climaxing. Right. And, um, <laughs> right? You know, you, you don't bow out when the play reaches a climax. Nope. So that's been very, very helpful to me just to realize that I can only control how I react. And I spent most of my life being jerked around by my emotions. And I'm now at a stage where I go, mm, I think I'm going to try to control my own emotions. I'm going to control them. Yeah, and it will give me an awful lot more peace, and it won't stop me from being funny because that's I'm past that stage where that can be killed. Good, yeah. Right? Like, I don't. I've lost that 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 ludicrous belief that I have to be screwed up all the time to be funny. That was all done a long time ago. Yeah, and the pain that I had in my life. I mean, of course, I'm going to see more pain. That's the way it is. But it's not going to derail me the way it used to. Yeah, I don't need to have. I don't need to have that any longer. Yeah. That's that's very Marcus Aurelius of you. I am. I'm reading meditations now. Yeah, me too. You know, you, you know, you know which, which, which quote I love: "The effect of anger is far more destructive than the the cause that inspired it in us." Exactly. I, I just read the, the part that got me the last few days as I've been wanting to like comment on certain things that are going on. He basically said, I'm going to paraphrase it: "You don't have to comment on anything. Yeah. Like, and if there's something that's bothering you." You don't have to tell everybody what you think about it. Yeah. You can just keep it to yourself until you thought it through. And it's really just about counting to 10. You don't have to. No one cares. And even and don't get don't get caught up in going, what is Scott Thompson? How does he weigh in? <laughs> no, one, no one gives a shit. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it's arrogance to think they that they would like yeah. they gotta know what my take is on this this latest you know celebrity celebrity imbroglio or whatever I know yeah no I don't well, that's and th- if it causes me pain I don't need to think about it yeah that's what I, I mean look I have ADD but apparently I have dial up ADD you know mm-hmm. you need instantaneous take information have an opinion shove it back out there just just for the for the need to be relevant or as a performer to be yeah. to be seen how do you commenting on it it's not, it's yeah. not accurate especially the last two years when people like us who who need the spotlight yeah. have been thrust into the background mm-hmm. well people that really aren't suited for it at <laughs> <laughs> stage you know what i mean i'm like okay okay ugly doctors time to move off the stage <laughs>
bring the pretty people back and the funny people because we know how to handle this. You don't. You've gotten corrupted by fame. You need to take a break. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you're you're beholden to to feeding the 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 beast of notoriety once you right, get a and taste no of one it. can handle it. Like no one can really handle fame. It's a it's a catastrophe for people, and um, so people that especially but people like us who pursued it, yeah, we're a little more we're better suited for it than a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's suddenly going oh I'm on TV every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you shouldn't be. You're too ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know what? You should get some training from an actor or a comedian on how to modulate your voice so you don't talk in a monotone all the time. <laughs> Especially when you look like that. <laughs> so, well, well yeah, I think there's no great cleansing with fame. You know, there's no it's like a magnifying glass. Whatever cracks you have, those cracks are gonna get bigger. Absolutely and no matter and exactly, and no matter how you try to bury things, they'll come out. Yeah, yeah. It'll come out. And so you've just got to be, you've got to be pretty um, cool with yourself. You've got to go, yeah, I'm, I like who I am and I'm ready to be seen. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like, nah, I don't get, I've been consumed with the idea that, oh my God, with the way that I think the things that I, I want to say, I'll be canceled in a second. My comeback's going to be about 24 hours. <laughs> Boo hoo, even if it is. So right. what? It'll, then I, then I'll have a lot more time to watch Netflix. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll have a lot more time to like, you know, go to cafes. So yeah. it's all win for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. using humor to overcome things is, is what I really want to talk to you. Cause you overcame oh, yeah. a lot. I mean, you overcame, you, you overcame cancer. I mean, I, that got, I did. Yeah. yeah. 12 years ago, I beat cancer. Yeah. yeah. So that happened. That made you, you left Hollywood when that happened, when you got diagnosed. Yes. Yeah, I left Hollywood a couple of times, but that one, I had to. I mean, I was on a plane within a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got diagnosed at Cedars-Sinai, and I was getting chemotherapy two days later. It was that wow. aggressive a cancer. And I was very lucky in that my Screen Actors Guild card still had one more month on it. Mm-hmm. So I, I got my chemo paid for, but it was still – and then I, I had to leave because other than that, after that, I had to pay for it. Right. And it was $45,000 yeah. for the first treatment. So I went, this is going to completely – it's already broken me. Yeah. So I went home, and it was the, – the, the Canadian government, they just let me slide right back in into the system and save my life, yeah. really, because it had to happen immediately. I, I beat it, and it's been 12 years since, and um, it's been wonderful. When you were there uh, fighting through it, can you recall any instances where the release of laughter or humor uh, just made made things a little bit better? Oh, yeah. Um, well, part of it, some of the things that, yeah, I, I mean, I never stopped being funny. Mm-hmm. Like, I never, I never really, I never collapsed into depression. I, I, I never got... I was definitely terrified, but I never became depressed mm-hmm. because I'm not, I'm never depressed when I'm fighting for my life. And it's happened a couple times. It has. And that's, that's an, and I'm not saying it's a good thing to be. And I mean, I really wish that there's certain things that hadn't happened when I was young, that I didn't have that belief. But when you're fighting for your life, you are very singularly minded and you are focused mm-hmm. and I love to be focused. And so all the distractions that we have just fall away and you only have one goal and that goal is to defeat the demon. Mm-hmm. And so I went, there's a demon. I have to destroy this demon. I have to leave no trace of it. Right. None. I have to completely eviscerate it. 
And so the moment that I was diagnosed with cancer, that became my goal. And in terms of comedy, I, I developed a little different system about that I think was funny. People used to laugh when I would tell them what I would do, but I would every day. I had four tumors in my stomach, mm -hmm. and I named them all, <laughs> and I pictured them all, and they all looked like the Hamburglar, right? You know, the and I would pretend that they were smelly and they couldn't, and that they were no one wanted, no one liked them, right? And every morning I would I would shame them. I would say, "Look at you! You're at the Sadie Hawkins dance, and no one wants to dance with you. You miss <laughs> your pants. You're wearing horrible clothes. You're wearing plastic bags as shoes." <laughs> You're, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're, you're a terrible person, and everyone wants you to, speak, to go. Right. And I would just shame them. Right. Or I would mock them. I would pretend they were like the four ships of Fra Sir Francis Drake, right. and I would pretend to be Queen Elizabeth I, and I would say, I love you, Francis, but you're on these four ships that we don't need. In, this is my English channel. You belong in Spain. You stay in Spain with your four hideous ships. And <laughs> I don't like them. You take them back. And I would like... I would pretend I was Queen Elizabeth. I would be Kate Blanchett on the white horse and the white horse of Dover. And I would see the Spanish Armada coming over to England because I was obsessed with Elizabeth. Those movies helped me get through it. And so that's what I would do. And so those things were good. Those, so I had funny ways of talking to them. And I, I think personifying my tumors mm -hmm. really helped. I'm, guess, so, I'm guessing there might have been some hallucinogens in the chemo that they were pumping into. Well, yes, there are. I mean, <laughs> but, I, but that's because I, I, I requested it. I definitely had, I had hallucinations. I had, I would have a lot of, um, well, when I was making Death Comes to Town, the Kids in the Hall series, mm -hmm. I did have, I started to hallucinate on set once when I saw Mark McKinney who played Death. Right. And he became Death and I fell apart. That was the only day I ever had to leave the set. Right. Because I, I saw him coming for me and I'd had a dream the night before mm -hmm. that, death had come for me and I was very, very ill, but I was making the kids in the hall series kept me going. And I remember very clearly that I woke up in a panic and I opened the front door of the cottage that I was staying at where we were making the movie, that series. And there was a dead squirrel. Oh my God. That's, <laughs> well, that's a dead squirrel. Yeah. But for me, it was like, it was death leaving this squirrel as a symbol of like you're next. Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> that, 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 was, that was your Luca Brasi with the fishes wrapped in newspaper. Yeah. And because in the series, the character that I, one of the characters that I was playing did see death mm -hmm. and the death, death appeared as a giant squirrel. Right. So I thought that was very interesting that things started to come together. Like, and I, I mean, I think by the end of that, I wasn't quite mentally all there, right. but by the end of that, of the series of the 10 weeks of shooting it, I, I started off, as a person who didn't even know if they were going to live. And I ended it as someone who'd beaten cancer. Yeah. That's gotta be. And let me ask you this. Cause I've, my dad went through it. I've had a couple of friends that have gone through it. Do you, and I'm, I'm going to use a term that I made up just to, to illustrate this, but there's some like a survivor's high, you know, when you get through. Something. Absolutely. Yes. I, I actually was talking about this the other day with someone, cause I'm kind of talking about certain things in my past that I haven't really talked about a lot that people seem quite interested in with. When I was a boy, I was in a high school shooting. Yeah. And, um, that is something that I, I have been, I have returned to over and over my entire life. Mm -hmm. I, I have to say it's something I, I, I don't think about it every day, but I think about it a lot. Mm. And I, I remember very clearly that being the worst day of my life, but in some ways the best because I made it. Right. And that high 
to get when I got home that day and I was alive. I was high as a kite and it went on for days and days until it crashed and yeah. then you crash into sorrow. But that shock, that 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 beautiful thing of shock, which cushions you in like cotton batting, you know? Yeah. And um but yeah, that was it because I was like, holy fuck, I made it. I'm alive. And I can understand people that climb mountains or go to space or even people that are addicted to war, like war, you know, like war correspondence. I get it. And it's a terrible thing to have happen when you're a teenager. And because I even think it affected the kind of comedian that I became. It has to affect everything. I mean, how old were you? I was 16, almost 17. And I, I think... I remember when it began, I heard it happening and I ran towards it, not understanding that I was racing towards death. I didn't have any concept that this could be real. I never heard guns before. I I thought it was firecrackers. And I just, the closer I got, I knew it was real. And then when I, let me just say one thing, when I realized what it was, I froze. And then a teacher saved my life. Um, he threw me into a classroom, but yes, um, that, that is, and I've been chasing, even like the kinds of topics I do in comedy, people would say, you can't do that, Scott. No one can get away with that. I would think, "Mm, watch me. Yeah. So I became addicted to the, the high wire. Well, at the, at the time this happened, not in your life, but in, in, in society, this, this was, this was an an aberration. This was the 70s. This had never happened before. This is a small town in Canada. Yeah. Um, Canada. Canada. (laughs) We were so, so innocent. We had no idea what was happening. Even when I heard the guns and I saw, even when I saw blood, I couldn't quite. Process, yeah. I just assumed it was a shop accident. You know what I mean? The first thing was, oh, it's firecrackers. Then it was balloons. Then it was like, oh, I smell gunpowder. It must be really big firecrackers. And I saw blood and I was like, oh, it must be a shop accident. And then, and that's, until I heard the screaming, then I knew it was real. Yeah. But, but even yes, at that time, there's no, there's no, you don't know how to care for somebody with that. There's, there's no treatment. There's no. And there wasn't. And this is the difference. This is the 70s. There was no such thing as, as, well, people didn't understand trauma. They didn't understand PTSD. They certainly didn't think that children needed any kind of psychiatric help. Mm-hmm. And that the way I grew up in Canada, Canada was much more British then. It was much more stiff upper lip. So, I mean, this is, this is kind of shocking to people today. But my parents never asked me what happened. Never. Well, my father did about three or four years ago. They they put up a memorial 40 years later in my school, almost 40 years. And he said, do you want to go and see it? So we went together. And it was the first time in my entire life my father ever asked me what happened that day. Ever. Yeah. He didn't even come home from work early. It happened at 1138 and he didn't get home till six. Because my mother never called him, and that was a, that was before we had twenty four hour news cycle, yeah. so he didn't even know it had happened. Yeah. And but and I, this is a this is hilarious. But when I got home, my mother had two boys. There were two of us in the school at the time, and I remember when I finally got home, hours after it had begun, hours, and of course she was frantic. But I asked her where Dad was, and she said, "Well, your father's at work." I went, well, well, did you call him? And she laughed at me and said, oh, don't be ridiculous. I don't call your father at work unless it's an emergency. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that hilarious? And it wasn't an emergency because I wasn't shot. Right. 
Wow. So there was no concept that I could have invisible wounds. Mm. No. Can I ask you, going back to the memorial as as an adult? Yes. What what was the experience well, like? Well, sorrow, obviously. Uh -huh. it, it, the sorrow is because also I realized that I never quite understood what my teacher had done for me. Mm. Um, the, te the one of the te the teacher who was murdered, the ones he wanted, the one he wanted to kill, and he did kill her. Um, and she was my it was my class. It was it was my classroom that was really hurt badly, and he sat behind me. And she was the teacher that he wanted to kill. And I was, I was like her worst student. I was like a troublemaker, but I was the best student in English. Mm -hmm. She was 26 years old. She was just married. She was pregnant. Her oh. name was Margaret Wright. And she encouraged me to be a writer, which is why I've been spent most of my life. I've had this screenplay that I made. I wrote 20 years ago that I'm still trying to get made. And I will eventually. But I, I did realize how much she'd done for me because she would, I would have detentions and I would come in and rather than a detention, she'd be like, Scott, I can tell you're talented. Why don't you write me something? Write me a poem. Mm -hmm. If you write me a poem and I like it, I'll let you out early. So I would just dash off these poems to her, right? And, and, and I, but I didn't realize as a young kid, also a time when you didn't see teachers as fully human and no. they weren't like you. You didn't know their first, you didn't know anything about them. You didn't know their first name. You knew nothing. They were Mr. and Mrs. or Miss and Miss. That mm -hmm. was it. Mm -hmm. And so I realized more and more how much she helped me. And, 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 uh, but I also sitting with my father and telling at the memorial and telling him what exactly happened that day was a very important moment for me in, in forgiveness of my own father mm. because of his violence towards us, particularly my own, what he did to me. And I, and I think it did was one of the, one of the main things that helped me forgive him. And to, I realized I can't be angry at my dad my whole life. I'm at an age where this is silly. Yeah. I have to forgive my father completely. And I have to accept that what happened to me as a youth affected me. And I might not have become a physically violent person, but I think I've hurt people with my words. Yeah. And so I went, I'm going to really forgive this man. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to find a way to love him because I do love him because he's my father. I'm going to find a way to like him. And that's been the best thing that's happened the last three or four years. That's that's really well put and really hard to do, man. Super hard to do, but very key for me, particularly as a gay man and who's had who's not really made a relationship work for mm -hmm. much longer than three years. It's very important for me to finally forgive the main male in my family right. who, who hurt me that and to let him go, let it go. Let do, it go. Let me ask you something. Do, do you, uh, and I, I don't know, but it, it, are you afraid to get close to somebody? Not really. No. Good. Good. Not, certainly not now. My God, all I want to do is now, all I really want to do is find someone to love. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, it. it's, it's Probably. hard to, it, when it comes to f forgiveness and I, I read this quote where you're not forgiving the, the perceived, uh, um, act against you. You're releasing the energy that's holding you back. Yeah. That's exactly it. it. Revenge is the poison that kills you. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and Italians, we put it in the sauce. It's hard to let go. It really is. Yeah. And it's true. So I've let go of all that stuff. And, and I can, I, I don't feel, um, I don't feel trapped any longer. Mm -hmm. That's great. That. Yeah. Can you, can you, can you pinpoint what, can you pinpoint a specific thing that where it all clicked for you about releasing that? 
I did a podcast with uh, Ryan Holiday talking about a stoic called Epictetus. Mm -hmm. And Epictetus, he was talking about how Epictetus said, we all have to die, but we don't have to die bawling. And I thought, and it hit me like a, just a, a, a punch to the stomach, like, wow, that's me. I don't need to be. All I ever do is, is, is showcase my emotions because I, I fell in love with my emotions. I fell in love with my, my pain. I fell in love with this cycle of like, I, I move, move, move. Then I'm destroyed. Yeah. And then I rebuild myself. And then I destroy myself. And then I rebuild it. And that's when I said I'm, I'm letting go of that paradigm. That's good. And when I do die, I am going to meet it with dignity. Good for you, baby. Yeah, Epictetus. Epictetus was a slave, so he started out a slave. They, I yeah, know they beat the hell out of him, and he's like, "Really?" He was he was lame yeah. from his master beating him, and that was it for me. When I went, I looked my whole life. That's why Eckhart Tolle couldn't didn't do it for me the way that Epictetus did. Mm -hmm. I needed someone who had suffered right so badly, the way that people need Christ in a way. Mm -hmm. I needed someone that had been through hell. That's still found a way to get to the other side. Yeah. I went, this is the only man that I can truly listen to. He's funny. You know, he was a, 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 a truly, he, he literally had no physical freedom. He was freed in his thirties. He was an actual slave who was, who limped yep. because his master beat him. And by the time he was freed from prison, from bondage, he was already free in his mind. And that's when I went, that's what I want. Yeah, I believe I believe it was George Clinton that said, "Free your mind, and your ass will follow." That's true. And you see, my problem is what I was free your ass, <laughs> and you know what? Other ass will follow. Lots of ass will follow, and that did come true. But it wasn't enough, Adam. Yeah, I did. You know, and I realized my ass has been free for a long. Time. This, this, they call this, you know, they call this the upper ass. Yeah. My upper ass is, has never been free. Oh, that's why God kills the energy. All right, look. Totally. You got to get wisdom when you get old. And if I don't take this away, you're not going to focus on anything. That's absolutely true. Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely true. Well, you came out at a time where it, it wasn't today, you know. God, no. So it must have been. Were you nervous about doing that or taking that chance? Or were you not aware of the backlash that would have happened to you? Oh, I was, I was all those things. I was extremely nervous, but I knew that I didn't really care because I came out, you know, I came out into the, into the middle of the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. So you guys I were demonized. Out, we didn't, no one knew any better. We were just, we were monsters that people were very, people have no idea They've kind of rewritten history that to, to because I think society is so ups, can't face what it did. Mm -hmm. It's having a hard time face what it did, facing what it did to gay men mm -hmm. back in the eighties and nineties. So I had this feeling that well, there's quite a good chance I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to, and I lost a lot of people, a lot of friends, and uh, so I want to be a comedian. I'd met the kids in the hall, and I thought I tried to do stand up, but the the act the atmosphere was so homophobic i just couldn't take it because mm -hmm. i would be called faggot by the audience i would be you know i remember the first time i tried doing stand-up in like the mid like 84 the comedian who introduced me wiped his mic the mic after me and said mm -hmm. he was wiping the aids germs off and this was common yeah there was no such thing as an openly gay male comedy mm -hmm. it just did not exist and so i thought well there's, I have something, I have a chance to do something no one's ever done before. And that thrilled me. 
So I went, I'm going to jump off this cliff because no one's ever jumped off this cliff before. Mm -hmm. No one knows what it's like to be an openly gay male stand-up comic. Uh, And so I went, oh, I like that. The odds are so against me, and I like those odds. And I also love the idea of taking a, a path that no one had done before. Yeah. And so I did it. I was scared and I, and I didn't quite realize how rough it would be. Right. And I didn't understand how that would kill a mainstream career for me, but I, ha- I felt I had no choice. And so I went, I have I, my only thing to do is to behave with honor. And the only way I can behave with honor is to own, is to own who I am. The impetus to do that was to be true to yourself. Do you yes. feel like you have accomplished that? Yes. Good. I do. And also, I felt that, you know, the way I grew up, the hatred I had for myself, the fact that I, I fought off I, suicide so much of my youth, mm-hmm. I, I felt like garbage. I thought, I don't want this to be the way gay people feel. Mm-hmm. I don't want this to continue. And if I can be a, a, a little part of changing that, I'm going to be that I, I i'm going i i have a chance to really help a lot of young people mm-hmm. so if i have to pay a price for it so be it so be it because it's better to live a life like the, a, a truthful life mm-hmm. and when i watched the kids in the hall documentary two weeks ago at south by southwest it's such a profound experience for me because i hadn't been able to watch it because i knew what they were going to talk about I knew they were going to talk about each kid mm-hmm. and their journey and our story, and they were going to be honest about most of it. And I wasn't quite prepared to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went, okay, but I told them, you can say it. You can talk about these things. I'm fine with it. But I'm not going to watch it until I'm in the audience with other people and the five of us. And the reaction of that audience to our story was so overwhelming that it helped heal me because I went, first of all, it's hilarious. It's hilarious, but it's moving. And I went like the audience was weeping and they weep when they realize what's happened to some of us. And I felt such love and I felt healed. I went, wow, I, to see your life and go, Oh, I made a lot of the right decisions. I've lived a, I'm living and have lived a very good life and I don't have to fight it anymore. And when they acknowledge what I'd done and what I fought against, because I, I never got that. I've always felt I never got my due that the, the queer community has ignored my, who I am. Mm-hmm. And I was consumed with anger and bitterness over it that I had been written out of history because I'm not that kind of a comedian. I don't really, I'm not cuddly. And I expose a lot of the ugliness. But when I saw this movie validate me, it 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 made well it, well it it made me really happy and sad. I I, cry, I cried. And when and there's a the movie kind of peaks with Bruce uh, McCullough crying. And um, I knew he'd done it. Like I, we all did interviews, and I knew Bruce had. Mm-hmm. And everyone said, "Have you seen Bruce cry yet?" Talking about you, I went, "No, I don't." I'm not ready for that. I didn't want, I, I knew it. I knew, I knew the love we have for each other. Right. Like, and, but to see it there, I felt such love with the five of us. We are so close right now. Um, 
that I went there. It's only, it's a love story. And even though I've not, I've never really made it work with one man. I've made it work with four men. Yeah. I guess the secret is I didn't have sex with any of them. (laughs) That might be the secret to a long polyamorous uh, multiple marriage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you, you, you still make me laugh. And I, I am so happy for your piece and uh, and so inspired by by the choices you've made and, and, and your execution of those choices, my friend. Thank you, Adam. And best to you and your family. And I hope we get to see each other soon in person. I, like I do, too. Are. I do too. It's really nice to uh, reconnect with you, even though we can't remember where we first. Can't remember. Always know I liked you. Like you even more now, my friend. (laughs) Me too. Okay. Take good care, baby. Thanks. Bye-bye. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hello, this is Scott Thompson. And that is 30 minutes I will never get back. A lovely man. Still don't know where I met him. (laughs) I, what a cool interview. I I am such a huge fan of his. You know I'm a huge fan of the kids in the hall. And yeah. that just it lived up to everything I hoped it would be. What a what a really great guy. How fun are you, Adam? You bring up Epictetus and you're making fun of Mark. Yeah. Goodness. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> Guilty. You're absolutely right. But at least, you know, I'm le- at least I like some philosophy that maybe can do some good. Mark's excited about bathroom fixtures, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least I'm I'm trying to find a way that that virtue is sufficient for a happy life. You know, you're right. I'm an asshole. <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I know now why you like stoic philosophy. Why? Because it bottom lines everything. Yeah. Uh, death. Get used to it. Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's like Epictetus. You know, I was a slave. I, ha- I have a limp and limited time left. I have no time for your bullshit. <laughs> I did like the quote that he said, we all have to die, but we don't have to die bawling. Mm. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. You know what? That reminded me of a famous Roman hero of ancient times. Yes. Was, wait a minute. What, what, what was it? Was it Pluto the Elder? <laughs> it wasn't Pluto the Elder, no, Pluto the Younger. This was Horatius at the gate, this Roman soldier who, when an enemy army was coming and they were going to sack Rome, he said he stood in front of the in front of him, told everyone to get across the bridge. And this is what he said. Spake brave Horatius, the captain of the gate to every man upon this earth. Death cometh soon or late. And how can man die better than facing fearful odds for the ashes of his fathers and the temples of his gods? That is a Roman, my friend. Yeah. And then everyone said, get him. 
<laughs> oh man, get him now. <laughs> Fact check true. Yeah. I like the Dylan Thomas rage against the dying in the light. He was he was talking to his dad who was uh, who was dying and he was telling his father to rage against the dying in the light. I I wrote a bit about my dad when my dad was dying. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, death came for my dad. The hood, the sickle, he appeared before him and said, I have come for you. My father took a long drag off his lucky and looked at him and said, thought I told you to wait in a truck. (laughs) (laughs) It's on his terms. Love it. And then death went, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Do not mess with Joe. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. But it did, it did bring me comfort writing writing that bit. So I, I see where you're coming from. Well, well, the bottom line, as I read about the Stoics, mm-hmm. it keeps you cool, calm, and collected. Yeah, it, it's not working. I, it's really not working at all. <laughs> you have to believe what you quote, Adam. Yeah, it's a bunch of crap. Walk like you talk, Adam. Yeah, I'm going to buy some tiles. Maybe that'll do it. <laughs> it does help. Trust me. But man, what a life Scott has led. Like, yeah. And you talk about trauma that she has been through. Man, that I, I had chills hearing you guys talk about the school shooting. I mean, mm-hmm. to go through all of that, talking about his teacher. I mean, that that was incredibly powerful. And the fact that that has stayed with him in in, in, in a huge way throughout his life and, and kind of, I guess you guys talk about it, changed the course of his the direction of his life. That's amazing. And he went back. I mean, yeah, it caused that trauma. And it was a, it's a source of healing, too, because, you know, one with his father, with his dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when he went back and, and realized what that teacher did for him. Yeah. Yeah. God, I mean, how do you not have gratitude for that? And then even then, after that, the poor guy wanted to kill himself all through his teenage years and everything. I mean, but he but he fought through it. Yeah. You know, that's that's it. What do they say? There are dragons within you. It's mm-hmm. all about knowing the dragons and then calming them down. Yeah, the, the friggin' dragons are winning. I'm, <laughs> not only are they winning, they're covering. So I'm... <laughs> take the dragons and the points. Yeah, take the dragons and the points. <laughs> well, there's another... Know, there, well, sorry, there's another philosopher that says, think about how powerful your dragons are, mm-hmm. and that's how powerful you are. That doesn't work either. I just... <laughs> Or here, have a glass of wine. That now we're getting closer. <laughs> well, I love, I love. You know, you've you've talked about the things that you fear the most. That's what you address on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, it sort of defangs the beast. And you know, I, I just think the fact that you guys can use your comedy almost like an armor to protect mm-hmm. you through this or help you process all this pain and and evolve through it. Uh, I think is, and I mean, when you when you're as talented as you guys are, it, it's really cool to watch that transition. Oh, you know? uh, when he was, I was, I was trying not to laugh during the interview when he's saying, I named my tumors and I may, may believe I was queen Elizabeth. Take your hideous ships. Nobody, <laughs> wa- you have bags for shoes. It's a Sadie Hawkins dance. No one wants to dance. I was crying. Oh my God. He's so clever. <laughs> yeah. He's clever. And it's I, Oh, oh my gosh. I, I love using humor to overcome things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that was it to a T. He is such a funny guy. It really, now it makes me want to go back and rewatch kids in the hall. You know, I just love that show to death. And it was so cool to hear about his journey. Cause this is stuff I had no idea about. I mean, that's, that is just unbelievable. I like when he was at the documentary and he, he wouldn't watch it until he watched it with an audience. Yeah. And he, it showed him his life. I mean, how often you, that's rare. Not only not only not only to have that presented to you, but presented to you and see 
a reaction of people you don't know to what you've yeah. done and to put it in perspective, you know, about seeing it now later in life. I just thought that that's a great gift. I'd, I'd like that, but I, I want to write a different ending. <laughs> <laughs> like, cut. Hold on. Let's try this. Well, like he said, that's the play he's in. You know, yeah. no one, he can't be recast. That's true. So he's, you know, understanding the play he's in and what part of the play he's at. Yeah. I'd like to speak to the writer. I really would, because I have some ideas for the third act. <laughs> uh, I hate to break it to you, Adam, mm -mm. but the writer is you. The writer is me? Uh, then I'd like the Adam character to be recast, all right, to someone <laughs> with a little more money and patience. It can't be re recast, Adam. That's part of it. All right, fine. And you know what? We're going to release this movie on July 4th. We're going to bury it in the holidays. <laughs> Maybe we'll sell it to the airlines. <laughs> Adam, you got to do what Scott says. You got to play the shit out of that role. Fuck okay? him. He's not the director. All right. I'm only listening <laughs> to the director. I'm not taking notes from a producer. Go, Here's what you should do. That's how you get fired. Yeah. Honey. Am I executive producer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're actually the beneficiary. When all this, all this is going to be yours one day, lady. Then you can have your birds and squirrels podcast in the studio and I'll be dead. Oh, my goodness. Can't do it without you, Adam. Mm -hmm. You know what Scott said? When he was fighting for his life, he was just focused on one thing. Not a million things like I kind of think you do, and that's what gives you anxiety. No. He was fighting for his life and was laser focused at that point. Okay, Stern, I'm fighting for my life the first of every friggin' month, okay? <laughs> do you want to see the bills? <laughs> Really, tile boy? You want to see the bills? <laughs> I was going to say, you can buy some tiles. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I get it. I do I do worry about everything, and it does, it does spin me out. I have a different philosophy of why you are thinking about so many things at once. Go ahead. <laughs> you care too much. I hate everybody. I just hate <laughs> everybody. <laughs> you, you're ultra sensitive, and I think most comics, like he said... You know, people in my family are funnier, mm -hmm. but they weren't as wounded or, you know, per se, they weren't as wounded. They weren't uh, flawed. Like yeah, damaged, I think is the word. Damaged. Yeah. Right. So I think you're ultra sensitive. Therefore, the wall goes up higher and mm -hmm. thicker. <sighs> I also like what he said. I like who I am and I'm ready to be seen. I like Scott, too. It's me I'm having a problem with, okay? <laughs> so so may I be recast, please? I'd like to go. You know what I want to be? I want to be Pluto the Elder. I want to jump into the volcano, try and save everybody in the first act, and go out a hero. You guys, let me know how it ends. Sure. I'm done. Sure. You know, I want to, I want to lead, you know, I, I wish I could lead a simple life like Stern. These are Pompeii tiles. Okay. I'm happy. <laughs> that would be great. Ignorance is bliss, my friend. Yes. You know, I'll tell you what does make me happy doing this show makes me happy and you guys make me happy, but it's not as happy as I'd like it to be. So I need you to step it up. All right. <laughs> yes. Okay. I want to thank Scott Thompson for being my guest. Uh, the kids in the whole reboot is coming to Amazon soon. I hope you guys check it out. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrar at Gmail. Uh, thank you guys so much uh, for leaving us reviews. Uh, that helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. The show is growing. I want to thank everyone who bought a t-shirt. They're, uh, they're, they're selling. What? I got the t-shirts. 
they're fabulous. Everyone, buy 10. They're awesome. They're so comfortable and they're they're great looking. Get them. They're awesome. Great. They're all they're from Pompeii. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, you're not. You're my pal. <laughs> makes you happy, Mark. Yeah, whatever makes yes, you happy. Does. Please remember, life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. The pot has ended. Go in peace. It says on the inside cover, property of the Lincoln Township Oops. Library in Stevensville, <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> it's uh, a friggin' library book. <laughs> it has character. Happy birthday, Mark. We also got you a five-pack of beer. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.